we continue in worship and grab your Bibles to Galatians or pick the Bible in front or front of you, pick up your favorite Bible app on your phone or tablet if you have it. As we deal with Galatians 2 as we walk through, and I'm just going to uh, make a confession. Uh, we're going to be here for two weeks, okay? I thought I could get through these, uh, let's see, six verses in one week. There's not a chance, okay? Uh, there's not a chance. There's one, there's too much there. Uh, two. <coughs> we're leaving at noon. So. Oh, you're leaving at noon? So I. Absolutely. Devin, you need to be here for two weeks. Straight. Right here at the altar. You know? Probably so. Yes. Oh, that is a great example of what has happened this week in my own head. You know, rapid trail here and there. And things just uh, went on. And I thought, you know, I would have time to think through some things yesterday. But I was at a board retreat that I just, uh, I came home and I was, I was mentally just, there was nothing going well. It was a good retreat, but my brain was zapped. Anybody else ever figured, you know, found that out to be true? All right. You know, where you, you think you got to best as the book of best played in plans of mice and men. You know, I have many of those. In fact, uh, one of the things that was going to happen this week is I was going to get out a newsletter, like, early in the month. The article is still sitting in my Microsoft Word. Uh, software done. I just need to review it again and never got back to that. Because this is a passage of scripture that is at the heart of, I think, our understanding of who Christ is and who we are. It is at the heart of what we need to struggle with. And, and so I don't want us to just lightly go past and hope that I got it enough. But we need to kind of sit and chew. There is a whole lot of stuff and meat in these five, six verses. In fact, it is these five or six verses that uh, Luther calls kind of, to some extent, the hallmark and the cornerstone of all of the New Testament. But yet, there have been a lot of ink spilt on these five verses. Words like justification. Righteousness, works, deeds, faith, belief, all tied in. They may seem like simple words, but as I continue to study more and more, the reality is there's nothing simple about any of those words. And we have missed it at times. We've gotten it right a lot of times, but we have missed it at times. So I want to intentionally, unintentional, if that makes sense, take two weeks here, this morning. Not this morning, sorry. Devin was going to leave anyways. Just take two weeks, today and next week. To really unpack. But I think what we have to see here is the question that Peter and Paul in the early church were asking was, who are you? Who are we? You know, I ask this question a lot of you all, I know. And, and those I work with, I ask, well, who are you? And, and, and sometimes it's a very simple, straightforward question. You know, Clay's right in front of me, so I'm going to pick on Clay to write my line of sight, you know? 
Clay's a business owner. You know, that's part of who he is. He's a father, right? You know, at least a couple kids, right? Uh huh. You're a husband. You're a brother-in-law. You know, you're a son-in-law. Hopefully not an outlaw, but you know, those things. Those, that's all a part of who he is, but let's be honest, that's not a lot about who he is. Those are descriptors, and they come with thoughts down the line. But the reality is, is identity is quite complex. It's not as simple as just making a list of things that you do or don't do. I mean, that is part of our issue. We see our identity sometimes wrapped up in certain things. Larry was a railroad guy. But you weren't a... Was. Was. You know? Uh, he's no longer a railroad guy. He was never the conductor, though, correct? They were smart in the railroad. Yeah, what? he built bridges. He, he built bridges, though. You know? Which one's more important, the conductor or the bridge that's being built? Depends on how old it was. Without his stuff. You know, but uh, you retired how many years ago, Larry? Seven and a half. If his identity was too tied in the fact that he was a railroad bridge builder and corrector of bridges, he now has an identity crisis. And it wasn't. He's like, woohoo! Because he just changed that identity with a golfer. Yeah, no, that's what he did. But, but we see this, and I've seen this with many people. You go through a stage of life, you know? If you see your identity too much as a student, when you graduate, you won't know who you are. And you graduate this year or next year? Next year, okay? As parents, it's great to, to have our identity in our little ones. But then they grow up to be big ones. And they don't always do what we want them to do, right? Anybody with parents understand that, right? <laughs> Somebody really has an amen going on there. All right? It's true. And if our identity is tough too much in who we are as parents, when they leave, we no longer know who we are. I, I still have people come up to me and say, aren't you the boy's mother? <laughs> yeah. And that's like, they don't know my name, they just go on the boy's girls. And sometimes that's nice, you know, but then sometimes you go, well, uh, I don't know, what do you, what do you remember of the boy girls, you know? <laughs> what do you remember? Our identities are complex. It is based on many of things. In Galatians chapter 2, we see this being played out. The complexity of the identity of this early church, of Peter, of Paul. Who are they? They're struggling with it, which is kind of good news. It means we can struggle with it. And so part of our identity is we need to understand who we were. Who were you? Your past. Paul talks about here in the beginning section of 15. We are Jews by nature. This is who we were, and to some extent, that is who we are. That is their race, that is their culture. That is a, a defining portion. And we're not like the Gentiles who are sinners. And we, we may go, well, that seems a little harsh, right? You know. But if we see the identity that they're going, Peter, Paul, a good Jew, 
Jews said, listen, because God chose Abraham, God chose Israel, we are the privileged people. We have the covenant of God. And so we didn't have to be taught lots of things. We weren't sinners not even knowing. We were God's people. That's the question that's going on in the early church. What does it mean to be the people of God? Who were we? And in the early church, they were all Jews. You know, I mean, we do realize that, right? I know for some, that, that seemed like, well, duh. But no, we have to understand that. Because that is the struggle that is going on in Galatians. That's the struggle the early church is. We are all Jews who have come to see Jesus as the Messiah. And Jesus was a good Jew. And the struggle is, what does this mean when he said, I now give the new covenant for all people? That was tucked in a mindset that you and I cannot always appreciate. Because they're struggling with, well, this is who we were. We were good Jews. Now what? Or maybe to put it this way, who are you becoming? Who will you be? See, for many, including myself, we struggle, we spend a lot of time on who we are and who we were, and we give very little thought on who we want to become. Because we just think it will happen, or we get stuck in some of it. But here's where the, the, an identity crisis can come in is, we realize who we want to become may be different than who we are. Well, what does that mean? I have a statement that I share with many of those I work with, and, and you may have heard me say something similar. And especially in my work with addiction and internet addiction, I, mean, I say this time and time again. You are not who you were, and who you are is not who you are becoming. And there's a whole lot of stuff within that verse. We, and I think we need to see that the early church, Peter, Paul, they were trying to grapple with, they aren't who they were, and who they are is not who they are becoming. And there is conflict and tension, and it's like sparks are flying as metals hitting metal as they're trying to figure this out. And I think we need to see that sometimes we need to catch the sparks flying and try to figure this out. As odd as it sounds, I think sometimes we need an identity crisis. Because until we get into a point where we're going, I'm not sure I know who I am anymore, we will stay the same. We won't bother changing whoever we are. If we think who we are is good enough, then we're not worried about who we are becoming. Or if we're too tied to who we have been or what has happened to us in the past, we will fail to see what is before us and what is in store for us. The, the, the fundamental task of the Christian life, of walking in Christ, is trying to figure out who we are in Christ and living out that identity. And there needs to be times when, when we, as Christ followers, have an identity crisis again and again and again. 
You know, I'm not old enough yet to have a midlife crisis. I figure I got another five to ten years. Right, Joyce? Okay. Because if it's a midlife crisis, then Joyce at 80, you know, uh, I'm half that age. So I, I'd like to say I got, you know, a good 90 to 100 years of my life span, Lord willing. You know, but I got another 10 years to have a good crisis, right? You know, uh, actually, though, we could say there's many times there is an identity crisis. Okay, and we need that. And we read in uh, Galatians 2 of this identity crisis that the church is having. And I would argue we in our culture are in identity crisis. As a nation, we're trying to figure that out. Political parties, they're trying to figure it out. I don't care what white political party you have. They're trying to figure out who are they and who are they going to become. The church, globally. The church, locally. What does it mean to be a Christian, a, an evangelical Christian? What does it mean? And the beauty of these moments, that if we will lean into them, I believe we will come out with a fuller understanding of what Christ wants to do. For we are, none of us are perfect. Right? Anybody here perfect? Clay, you don't want to claim that? Paul? Paul doesn't want to claim that? Okay. You know, Larry, you want to claim that? <laughs> Kathy, if you're online, we need to have a second opinion here real quick. Larry says he's perfect. Just, you know. He's perfect this morning because he brought donuts, okay? So, right? You know. But none of us are perfect, which means we all need to be refined. Which means we all need to, to have a crisis moment. And here's the beauty of it. Christ is the great identity disruptor. And we read this here. Paul says, we were Jews by nature and not sinful Gentiles. But we know that a person is not declared righteous by the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus. And whoever believes in Christ Jesus, they may be declared righteous by faith in Christ. And not by works of the law. Because, he says again, the works of the law will not justify anyone. There's a lot there. And we can miss it. Because what is going on here is Peter and Paul and the early church is trying to figure out Christ is the answer. They believe that. But what does this mean now? How am I to live out this idea? And Peter and Paul have been preaching grace. And there are some saying, well, if you are justified in Christ alone, does that mean, verse 17, that if we find ourselves sinners, that Christ is a servant of sin? And Paul says, never. No, never. Not a chance. And Romans, he said, may it never even be so. But the question was asking as this identity is, there were Jews saying, wait a minute, if you just preach Jesus, you might become immoral. And we go, that just seems so odd. But to Peter and Paul, because of who they were as Jews, the law was this sense of morality. This law was a sense of, this is what is all right in the world. This is how you know you are a good, decent human being. No wonder they thought Gentiles were sinners. They didn't have that. That's why there were words called pagans to describe them. They were saying, look, 
We, we're trying to now figure out what do you do? Where does morality come from if not from the law of Moses? Where do we know how to interact with one another without the law of Moses? How do we know how to live? And that's the struggle of Galatians. That is the struggle that Paul, as we unpack over these next two weeks, today and next week, that is the struggle they're having. Do we need, is, is Christ enough? And for us, it seems like a very simple lie. Duh, yes. For a good Jew, Christ has disrupted everything about them, and they're still struggling with what does that mean? Can one be a good, decent human being and not follow the law? For a Jew, no way. They're trying, they're grappling with this identity crisis they're having. The early church in Galatians, they're identifying, they're grappling with who are we in Christ? Are we Jews? Are we Jewish Christians? Are we reforming Judaism? Or is it something new? And now I think we start to see the grace that is going on here. I sense, and I hope maybe you are sensing, just how much of a struggle it was for Peter, for Paul. We see Paul, we know it was a drastic change. But Paul has even talked about that there was a time he was in Arabia. I think he's struggling with this whole thing. How Jewish do I need to look like? Paul was a good Jew. Right? He even took on some of the ceremonial aspects of the law in order to proclaim the gospel. He wasn't anti-law. And what he's talking about in here, when he says that we know that through the law, no one is declared righteous. He's not saying it's awful, it's terrible, you don't ever go there. But what he's saying is, what is sufficient? Do you have to be a Jew to be in right relationship with God? Because until Jesus came, the answer was absolutely. That's the beauty of the law. We see the law sometimes in our Western mindset, I think, as our American mindset. We see it as a, a, as a, a code of, of rules. Don't do this, do this. And not many of us like rules. Right? Um, you know, many of us would uh, go against rules. But the grace of that was it allowed the nation of Israel and anybody to know at any point in time, were you in right relationship with God? I was revolutionary. No other culture did you have that. No other culture did you have this God who said, I will tell you how you can know that you are in me. And that you can know that you stand in good standing with me. Every other culture had this pantheon of gods. Very similar to what we read in Greek and Roman culture that most of us in history are familiar. But you never knew. I mean, you would never know. I mean, Rusty would be like, if all of a sudden you were Jets and you guys have cattle, if one cat would die, 
In every other culture, you are to ask yourself, oh my goodness, which God did I take off today? What did I do today? And you may try all these different things, but you had no way of knowing it would work. That's part of what, in 1 Kings, when Elijah is making fun of Baal, he's trying to tell him that. The point is being made. You don't even know he's listening. You know, that would be like Paul. You know, I'm making sure you, you see me and I see you, you know. That would be every time Paul lost a basketball game, the first question would not be whether or not the other team was better, but the question would be, did I sin or did one of my players sin and what sin did they make and how in the world are we going to correct this and hope that we've appeased some God and I hope I get the right one first because I really don't want to lose too many more games. Do you see how exhausting that is? I would submit we do very similar things. We just don't want to know. And when, when God said, I'm choosing you, Abraham, I'm choosing you, Israel, he set the record straight. This is how you know you're in right relationship with me. And I'm going to let you know you do this, this happens. And then there was the Day of Atonement that declared the nation of Israel to some extent was right before God in that moment. An act of grace. An act of justice. An act of mercy. But Paul makes the point here, and in every writing, as does Peter, as does James, as does Jesus himself, it was never about the system. It was always about the God behind the system. It wasn't about the law. It was about the God behind the law. And what Jesus said in the Last Supper, we must remember. He said, this is the new covenant for the forgiveness of sins. You can be justified, declared righteous by faith in Christ. And I'll just do this little rabbit trail this morning. We have this idea of faith and belief. And typically, this is how I grew up, and I think it resonates with most, if you just mentally agree to a set of statements, you are okay. If you just mentally agree that Jesus Christ is Lord, you are okay. You are saved. And there's a lot of truth in that. But one can say they believe anything and it not be true. To the Jew, to what Paul is saying here, that you are justified by faith in Christ. It wasn't Paul was saying, if you just have this belief that Jesus is Lord and you just think about it enough, that is enough. Because for him, there was this idea, if you believe something, you live something. That's why the argument here, because he's saying, if we sin, does that mean Christ is a servant of sin? He says, absolutely not. There is no one of this that we can believe that Christ is Lord and then act as if how we live doesn't matter. A good Jew would never agree to that. Paul was a good Jew. That was the complaint against Paul the Sinistic. You're teaching Jesus is enough and grace is enough, but what happens if these Gentiles don't live a moral life, a good life? It's just swipe in your Bible, or swipe your screen, whichever one is, is, is there. 
Paul is going to later go on to say, even in this book, as he does with every single book, that you are saved in Christ, in Christ alone. But then he goes on to say, Galatians 5, 16, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the body, the flesh, the world. There is an idea, if you have a belief of faith in Jesus, you will live differently. And if not, then maybe the question is, is are you really believing in Christ Jesus? Because a belief in Christ is whole body. That's why he's the great disruptor. He can't, we can't just say, well, I'll give you my thoughts and my belief system, but I'm going to take it over here. Jesus says, no, 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 no. That's not the case. And we can't just say, well, Jesus, I'll just give you my feelings. So as long as you help me to feel good, I'll be okay. He says, no, 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 no. I need more than just your feelings. He says, I want all. It's all. That's why even when we don't understand the truth of who Christ is and who we are in Christ is still true. Even when we don't feel like we're a very good person or that we feel like we are truly Christ enough, if you are in Christ, you are because he is. That's why we need a disruption and identity crisis this day. That is why Paul and the early church, they were, just, they were trying to figure out what this life in Jesus was all about. And that is why Peter could go on to say the words that many of us have probably memorized, especially if you've been around the church many long. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I have been crucified with Christ. And for us that have been Gentiles since birth, that seems pretty dumb. But for a good Jew to say those words, it was an admission that Christ disrupted everything about him. And he says, I used to be about the law, because I thought that made me good enough to for God. He says, but now it is Christ. So I died to the law to live with Christ. So, where will you allow Christ to change you? Will you? Because the reality is, Christ will not force himself on anyone. His grace can be seen. He's saying, how great is our God? The scripture talks about we can just look up and out. And we will see the magnificent qualities of God. His justice, his holiness, his grace, according to Paul of Romans 1. We see those characteristics. But he never wants to say you have to do this. You can't be forced to allow him to change you. Some of us, if we're honest, we need another disruption and change. We, we've allowed Christ to change us a little bit, but yet we would admit that we're not sure we want him to change us in this area. Because we might not know who we are anymore. We may not want to know who we are becoming. 
because we're pretty good with where we are. Christ says, ah, I can do even greater things. Will you submit once again to this faith in Jesus? Will you submit one again to all that is going on in your life, to Christ? Will you allow him to disrupt your identity again and again and again? For if you do, I can guarantee a couple things. One, there's going to be moments when it just plain out stinks. It's not going to be fun. Okay? It's going to be worth it. And three, who you are today is not who you were, and it also doesn't have to be who you become. But Christ will start a work, and he will carry it out unto completion in the day he changes his own. But I can tell you this, he is softly, he is quietly, he is tenderly calling you to himself. And he says, I'll take all of you, and if you'll let me, I will transform you into something different. Something that is beautiful. Something that proclaims that Christ is enough for all who find him. We pray with me, Father God, we just come to you now. Lord, we just ask that you would be with us as we kind of close our time of formal worship this morning, that we would sense you calling and we would respond. And Lord, if there's somebody who needs to respond and say, I want this change in identity. I want, to, I want to have this change of identity. I want to be found in Christ for the first time or the hundredth time or anywhere in this name. Lord, that that would be the case. And maybe someone says, I, I need to have another identity change. It's been too much about me and not enough about Jesus. They would make it more about you, Lord. Or in any other things. Lord, may you just continue to guide us by your spirit this morning. As we continue to walk this path of what it means to have faith in Christ Jesus. That is sufficient to make us de to be declared righteous in your sight. Lord, we thank you for that gift. And we ask that you continue to be with us as we worship you. In all ways, this day and every day. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand with me as we sing our...